0: Hey guys, Fardik here. Welcome back to the Baseball Dad Show. Back in New Jersey, finished my morning run, my morning workout, walking around for a mile or two to kind of cool down. And it looks like this is gonna be the slot where I'll be recording a lot of the podcast because there's a consistent slot in my schedule. I know I can do it. And uh, these days, my schedule is just wall to wall. Um, So I wanna talk to you today about the level of instruction that your son might receive on the college level versus what you might think he will receive or the level of instruction your son is receiving, present tense, uh, versus what you thought he would receive at the college level. So we put up our first website in October of 2000. Before that, I was a local pitching coach like any other coach. And then all of a sudden that whole thing took off and you know, found myself kind of on a, on a bigger stage. Now, the vast majority of the players that come to me um, are high school and below right? And over the years that has skewed, you know, generally younger and younger each year. So I can tell you that our first couple of years, we were like the average age of our client was probably 15, 16, 17. And I'd have to pull up the numbers again, but we kind of stopped checking after year after year, that slowly, slowly, slowly dropped, right? To where the, the average age of a pitcher come to us, I think the last time we looked at it, maybe five or six years ago, was like 10, right? So that's a pretty massive drop. Now the rise of tournament baseball, travel baseball, All that stuff contributed to that, I get it. But that trend kind of reversed itself, I said like four years ago, where I would say easily, easily, the majority, if not as much as like two thirds to uh, 75% of the players that are coming to me now are college pitchers. And I've had more college pitchers in the last like four years than in the first 18 years combined. That is without a doubt, without a doubt. And they're all coming to me with a universal story. And the story is, I was recruited to play at the school, I went to the school, they told me this, they told me that, and I've got some opportunities, um, and it hasn't gone perfectly, or I haven't gotten opportunities, And, And or I was a starter and I was in the mix, I fell off a little bit. And then what happens next, what happens at the conclusion of all of those stories is, and they're just not working with me now. They're not doing anything with me now. So it's either like they recruited me, um, I I was never given a shot and they're not doing anything to get me better. Um, They recruited me, I was given a few chances, it didn't go well, and they're not doing anything to get me better. Or they recruited me, I was in the mix, I did okay, Things that maybe then maybe things went a little sideways and they're not doing anything to help me. And in some instances, it's pretty big scholarship dollars, like especially for more more so for the baseball program, like that they've put towards these kids than it is for the kids because the, the, you know, parents have unlimited ways to borrow money or to save money or to, you know, get money to pay for their kids' college education. But college baseball teams have a limited uh, amount of scholarship dollars that they can divvy out so in some of these cases it's kids who are on significant scholarships to the team and universally they say they're not doing anything to get me better so let me talk to you about this from a few perspectives the first thing i want to do is i want to give the coaches the college coaches the benefit of the doubt um i'm going to tell you that i I think don't quote me on this uh, those rules might change and they may have changed since the last time i heard them Uh, as I understand it, a college coach is limited to 20 hours a week of time that they can instruct a player. Um, so uh, now, whether that is what that includes and doesn't include, I know there's some gray areas there, like his workout time and all I, I don't know, right? But let's just say there is a limitation on the amount of time that a coach can be exposed to the player. And, and as I understand it, and again, I could be wrong, that, pre- that game time is included in that time right? So obviously if it's their game, the coaches might be doing a lot of things. They're not gonna be working with players. So there's a severe limit on practice time. So that's number one, that alone would probably prevent me from ever really being a college coach, because that would just drive me insane. Especially if I had the motivation to coach and a player had the motivation to learn and get better. And we couldn't do it because of some rule. Um, I don't know. That would just drive me nuts. It wouldn't be a fit for me. So that's why I've, I've, I've had some opportunities and offers over the years, and that was one of the factors that always gets me. I'll, I'll talk about the other factors too. So that's number one, there's some logistics that make it very difficult for a college coach to really give a player the type of instruction that they need. Number two, because players have spent so much time training only velocity, there is a lack of highly skilled, durable pitchers in the marketplace. There's tons of hard throwers, but there's very few highly skilled, durable pitchers. So now the recruiting pool doesn't offer them the opportunity to take, say, ten or twelve pitchers, which seems like plenty to go through a fifty-game season or so. Sounds like plenty. Some teams have twenty-two pitchers. Now here's why: because there aren't a lot of highly skilled, durable pitchers, and so they can't they they can't recruit five or six guys that could be. You know, if they're going to play um, three games over a weekend and one or two during the week, they may need five starters. They, they they're just they can't recruit five or six guys that could be durable guys. Give them five or six innings once a week. So with the recruiting is this kind of massive array of guys, and they're just hoping to put together a mix and some kind of you know puzzle. They're trying to like just kind of force the puzzle pieces together and hopefully they fit. And so now you have teams that that I've heard as many as 22 pitchers on one team. So roster sizes have increased, right, with COVID. We got an expansion to the roster uh, size from 35 to 40. I guarantee if you look at every roster in America, I would bet you the majority of those extra five spots are pitchers, right? And so, um, and it looks like that's gonna stick. I believe the NSA passed that. Um, I could be wrong on that too, but I believe that's going to stick for a while, uh, at least for the near future, if not permanently. But what didn't increase was the amount of time that uh, a coach could spend with a player. And what what did increase is they allowed a volunteer assistant to be a paid assistant. But even on most schools who can't afford a volunteer assistant, who can't afford even a pay one paid assistant, the ability to have a volunteer, you know, to move your volunteer to a paid isn't a really big deal, right? Most most college coaches have maybe one full-time person other than themselves. And you'd be surprised at how many colleges... Even the head coach isn't full-time. They have some other duty, either teach a class or a or duty in the athletic department at the school, right? So when you're talking about big-time Power 5 schools, yeah, they've got a fully paid coaching staff. Anything outside of that, and you're going to see that kind of fall off. You'll see you'll see an unpaid volunteer, and then maybe you'll see a part-time uh, assistant or two part-time assistants, and then a head coach with other duties and part-time assistants it will kind of trickle down like that. <clears throat> so I don't care how good of a coach you are. If you have 20 pitchers, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know that you could really, it's going to take a while just to learn all their names, right? And, just to, to, and then get to know something about them and then get to work with them with that restricted amount of time on a level that you could have really any impact. So logistically, those are some issues that are fair points for a college coach. Now, here's why, also why your son might not be getting the instruction that you think He was promised or you think he should have gotten or that you think he might get if he goes to college. Um, There is the level of coaching. So I told you that one of the reasons why I probably wouldn't uh, look at a college coaching job is the limit of time to coach. The second thing would be financial considerations. Right. Most of these jobs are, you know, low paying jobs um, or part time jobs. You'd be amazed at how many college pitching coaches are part time. So in, in 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 any case, there are there's there's probably twenty or thirty jobs that would be financially viable for for me to consider. And I'm not trying to be like arrogant or anything like that. I'm just talking about the realities of what you know. I have kids and mortgage, college all those things, right? That there's a, there's a limit. We all have our number. Now, on so part of that is that is going to sever, severely limit the amount of the talent level that you're gonna bring in, right? So when you're talking about lower paying jobs, right? Who are you gonna bring in? You're gonna bring in younger coaches, n- no wife, no kids, no family, no mortgage, etc. right? That usually, or they're young developing, you know, maybe just married or something like that, don't have a lot of expenses and they can afford to kind of live off of a, a lower salary and a coach salary because their expenses and their commitments are very low. So now you've got a young coach, younger coaches, right, Um, with a limited amount of time. Now, again, when it comes down to the finances of it, there's also the quality of coaches you can bring in, right? So a lot of the good coaches who are great instructors and great teachers, first of all, they don't want to get into that limited time frame, right, of coaching kids. But also, too, there's a lot of opportunities outside of the college game to earn a substantial living without having to deal with the NCAA or recruiting players or traveling and all that, right? So a lot of the good coaches, um, even even with the salaries on the higher end, um, you're not getting a lot of great instructors because there's a lot more opportunity for those great instructors outside of that structure. Now, the other thing is that would prevent me from taking a college coaching job and, and a lot of people that I know Is in addition to having those opportunities, those opportunities usually give you some degree of control over your schedule, right? Not, not, not total, but you have some degree of control. So one of the drawbacks of being a college coach is you're not becoming a college coach. You're asking everybody in your life to become a college coach, right? Your your family, you're going to be away. You're going to be recruiting. You're going to be traveling spring, summer, fall nights and weekends. You're going to be gone. Right. So it's a huge commitment for everybody else in the college coach's life. So when you put all that stuff together, right, when you put that the salaries are low, so you're going to bring in a less experienced coach when you when you when you factor in um, the. uh, The fact that most great instructors have bigger opportunities outside of college and then you think about the commitment that they have to make, who are you going to get? Who's going to be your son's coach? right? So you're going to have a kid who's probably young, right? Or somebody who doesn't have a lot of financial needs. You're going to get someone who probably doesn't have a lot of talent or experience because they're probably, even if they have experience, they might not have talent just because someone's been coaching for 30 years. Don't mistake their ability to hang around with talent, right? Some people are just good to hang around. Um, and so the, the coaches that have talent are outdoing things. They're not going to be hamstrung by all of this stuff. So that thins out the pool for who might be a college coach. And so there's a couple other factors that that go into that and this all of these things that I that I hit on kind of blend to this. There has to be a motivation to change a player, to give instruction, right? There has to be that that just desire to really coach. So like I said, I would never take the job based on the restrictions because I like I need to coach. If there's I can't have that restriction on me. So I just, I need to coach. So someone who maybe doesn't have that burning desire to coach is, is, you know, would probably be okay in that situation. So now you're having a coach that maybe doesn't have quite the motivation as someone who's a real instructor. Doesn't mean they can't be a good coach. And I'll explain that in a second. Doesn't mean they can't be a good coach on, on other levels. But we're talking about instruction and development. Okay, so number one is the motivation. Number two is, do you have the knowledge? Do you have the information, the right information to teach kids? And do you have a way to teach it, right? So again, if you, if you do have that motivation and you do have the knowledge and the information, there's, real, there's amazing opportunities outside of the college game without the travel and without the low salaries and the restrictions, okay? Number three is when you, when you, take, when you take a look at like the motivation and then the information, number three is, are they, able, are they great, are they good teachers? Right. I know a lot of guys who have motivation and have good information, but are horrible communicators and teachers. Horrible. Either they're just not good at it. They can't get their point across or some guys just come off like like they're just overly arrogant and they just they can't get they can't communicate. So when you look at all those things, if you were a coach that had great motivation, great information and instruction and you had great communication skills, like almost the last place that you would go would be a college program. So generally what you get is a lot of guys who can see, evaluate pitchers based on what they can get from them, right? So they may have prior playing experience, prior college playing experience. Um, They may have some scouting or um, recruiting experience where they can look at a guy and say, okay, untouched, we might be able to get, you know, three innings out of this guy here and there, or they bring in a bunch of guys who throw hard thinking well let's see let's bring in 10 guys who throw hard let's catch lightning in a bottle let's see if we catch lightning bottle with two or three of them right and let's see what happens and so there's a lot of that you get a lot of you know coaches that are kind of like that right that are just going to kind of come in and just put together a bunch of people in a pool and see who rises out of the pool and then discard the rest now another reality of college uh, baseball is they're going to move with the movers that's why they got twenty two guys right, or even sixteen or eighteen or something they're, they're going to move with the movers it's designed for them right so even if there are there is instructional even if a coach is a good instructor he's limited on time who's he going to spend his time instructing? he's going to move with the movers he's going to move he's going to try and get the guys who are who are who are giving him innings and who are competing well he's going to give them the instruction right it's just this is just the way the world works right in every in every area right those who perform are going to get the attention so that's like another factor of it, is that um, there, there's just not enough time, even if they had the skill, the motivation and the communication, there's not enough time to get to all the players that need it. Now, here's a little bit of the uglier side, and a lot of the pitchers that I deal with and I talk to, they find themselves on the other side of this. the team recruited X amount of players and or X amount of pitchers, excuse me. And every year they recruit the same amount of pitchers. So imagine if your team, I had a conversation with a young man who they were bringing in, I think it was like eight pitchers, something like that. Freshman pitchers, not counting the portal and bring a couple guys out of the portal. So let's just call it 10, right? So they're going to bring in 10 pitchers this year. So, so how many think you're going to bring in next year? I don't know. Probably the same. And the year after that. Same year after that, same. Okay, so you do realize that on your, you know, your senior year, the team is not going to be 40 pitchers or even 35 pitchers, right? Someone's got to play first base. And so the realities of the college game today is they're bringing in a large pool of pitchers, knowing, knowing full well that they're going to get rid of them. Just that action alone is an indicator of either their lack of motivation to instruct, their lack of skill to instruct, their lack of skill to communicate that instruction, their lack of um, uh, time to develop pitchers, right? And combine all those factors. Combine all those factors. The last thing I'll add to this is there is an incredibly unfair pressure placed on college baseball coaches today. I don't know exactly when this turned, but I mean, I hear all the time from my buddies who are college coaches that they have, you know, in their contracts, they have to you know, get certain win-loss and records and stuff like that. And I had never heard anything like that really before. And I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of basketball, football stuff that gets put on baseball, right? I mean, you could look at a big-time basketball school. They could recruit the five of the top ten players in the country. I think we talked about this in the last podcast. And they could turn it around, right? They, they, could, they could go from a, a team, not even the top 25, to a team that's in the Final Four of next year if they have a good recruiting class, because those those kids can touch the ball every time. You can build an offense around them and so on and so forth. Baseball, you know, I think we did say this in the last podcast, or maybe I said it to somebody else, but you could recruit the the, the, the five or six best players in the country, and you could have the top two or three pitchers in the country. That doesn't mean that you're going to win, right? And I think this is what we said in the last podcast, right? You look at the Angels, right? They've got, you know, probably the best hitter in the game and, and certainly one of the best you know, pitcher slash hitters in the game, certainly two of the top players in the game overall. And they can't put together, you know, they're, they're struggling to win. So all of those things become factors. And so this is why I'm getting tons of college pitchers who are coming to me for instruction. They're coming to me to get better because they're not getting it from the coaches that are there. And one last thing, this will really be the last thing. One of the toughest things I think for kids to come to grips with is Let's say a kid, let's say, let's say it's a pretty, you know, not like an extreme recruiting situation where the kid committed like in the eighth grade or something like that. Let's say at the end of his junior year, he committed to go to school there. And now I'm usually talking to kids in their sophomore year, right? Somewhere in there, end of their freshman year, end of their sophomore year. And so for all of his senior year of high school, all of his freshman year of college, and probably, you know, most of his sophomore year of college. So for the last three years, this kid's been going in one direction. He's publicly committed to it. People have probably made a big deal about it, so on and so forth, right? And the reality has set in that he's not getting innings or he's not getting enough innings. He's not in the mix. He's not getting worked with. The writing is probably on the wall of what his career is gonna be. The problem that I that I see in this is that, is that a, couple, a couple things is that number one is you, you have a kid who's, who's been on this one direction for three years. And now for him to change, it's really difficult for them to get there mentally without feeling like a failure. And that's that's really what gets me the most, is that another reason why I would never be a college coach on a high level, there's no possible way I could over-recruit knowing in advance that I'm going to cut some of these kids, and that's going to disrupt their education. Sorry, I won't do it. I'm not going up to the pearly gate. I'm a Christian, I'm not going up to the pearly gates and explaining to St. Peter that... I disrupted players' educations because I wanted to win a baseball game. Not going to do it. I don't care. Anybody else does it? That's going to be their. That's going to be their issue, not mine. And if they're at peace with it, great. That's fine. I, I, I'm not going to. Uh, it's not not for me to judge. But um, I think that is a very difficult spot for a kid to be in. That they've been going this direction for three years, and now all of a sudden they're going to change direction. But for me. What I need to turn around in that picture is I need to get that pitcher to understand that this is not uh, conclusive. This this is not the final say of their career. Now, had they had a high level of instruction for the last two years and they were getting feedback and they were getting opportunities and they were being able to learn from those opportunities, even if those were a lot of, you know, like quote unquote JV games or club or any type of other, you know, opportunities. Had they been fully developed and given opportunities and then it didn't work out, then I would say, okay, fine. Then maybe there are some realities that you need to look at. Maybe you are just going to be a guy who's just going to be on the team and pitch games here and there in blowouts or games that don't mean anything. But in my experience, the pitchers that are coming to me, and I would probably say all of them or nearly all of them are coming to me undeveloped. And so they're making this kind of final call on their career before they've had a time to fully develop. And so it's kind of like taking the SAT, freshman year in high school. Like, yeah, there's gonna be some stuff you'll get right, but this is not gonna, you're not gonna, be. you haven't had the education to kind of fully develop all of those subjects to understand them. So that's kind of where I come in is where, before a kid makes a decision on their future and where they're gonna go, let's say, even if it's for the final two years of school, or if it's for the, or they're gonna move on to somewhere else, stay there, whatever they decide, I want to make sure that they do so and they're fully developed, that they've squeezed they've squeezed the orange, they've gotten all the juice out of their career before they either decide to accept their role or move on or give up or hang them up. That's it. I don't want to see any kid walk away from the game. I don't want to see any kid's education get interrupted. And I certainly don't want to see players that are making uh decisions without being fully developed players. So long, long one today. Twenty-to-G. Oh, good lord. 22 minutes, 45 seconds for baseball. That podcast is uh, it's like a mini series. Okay. So for the, for the for the parents who have kids in college, who are going to college, um, this has been an important one, and I hope it's been helpful to give you at least a little bit of insight and understanding. So if that's something you want me to help your son with, he's a college pitcher, certainly uh, give me a call uh, or text me. I should say text me 201-323-0840 or email me, paulreddick at gmail.com. That email and text phone number are in the show notes. All right, guys, see you on the next episode.